Hi, Alice. Mr. Jordan and I wanted to see how you're feeling. But come, sit, sit down. This really isn't a good time. Uh, maybe you could come back. Frankly, we wondered what you intend to do with your baby. What, what I what? Well, I've thought about it, and I plan to keep him. Well, we were concerned that all this might be a little bit too much for you. I mean, being single and everything. What Mr. Jordan means is that we're aware of the burden that, that raising a child would place on you. We want to help. We want to adopt it and to raise it as though it were our own. Look, I appreciate what you're offering, but no. He's my responsibility. And ours. It's our grandchild. Doris, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. Look, Alice, we're worried that in your present condition that you're that you don't have the ability to take care of a child. What are you talking about? My condition? We got a call from Dr. Mori. He said that Alice was hysterical and that she was having paranoid delusions. You don't understand. We know you've been through a lot. But there is more at stake here than just your feelings. You're not taking my baby. Well, the courts might not agree with you. But I do. And I've heard enough of this crap. You think you could just walk into my house and threaten my daughter? Oh, please, we have a legitimate claim to it. He's not a thing. He's part of me. And I'm not giving him to you or anyone else. Hey everybody, this is Brandon Ford and welcome to the Blind Rage Podcast. This time around we are watching A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. And my neighbors are out back and they're smoking a little dooch, having some good times. So there is a possibility that you might hear them. So I just want to give you a little heads up. And um, I'm going to try to um, talk as loud as I can so that you don't. It's just a, a side note. I used to listen to this um, hard news and reviews podcast, which I don't even remember the name of. But they filmed and I mean, they recorded in this guy's apartment and he lives with very very noisy neighbors and he must have had paper thin walls or they chose to party in the hall outside his door i don't know but you could always hear them in the background and they were really loud and obnoxious and the two guys who were doing the show would just carry on as if nothing was happening they would never even address it you know, one would think somebody would say, "Uh, sorry about that, guys. My neighbors are are having a little too much fun again tonight, so try to ignore them and, you know." But no, it it was like 
it was like they were trying to act like it it wasn't happening it was it was uh kind of funny in a sad kind of way um speaking of sad i was listening to another podcast last night totally different podcast and they were doing a review of fright night the original fright night from 85 and this is a a new podcast that I just started listening to uh, not not too long ago, a few weeks ago. And it's by these two guys in their mid-twenties. And yeah, they were talking about when they first saw the movie or whatever. And I remember... I, <laughs> I had this thought immediately when they said um, what year it was or whatever it was when they first saw it. And my first thought was, oh my God, I've been watching this movie since before you were born. And then immediately after it was, oh my God, I've been watching this movie since before you were born born fuck I'm old Jesus Christ yeah I turned 40 in August and I don't know when this is going to be posted but it's something that I'm I'm thinking about constantly and I'm not looking forward to not that um 40 is old but it's just not where I want to be in life but then again, I don't want to be in my 20s either. So, mm, I don't know. I'm just one of those people who's just not happy with anything, ever. So, before we get into the commentary, I want to encourage you to please go to Amazon.com or the Amazon app, type in Brandon Ford. You can check out my books in paperback and Kindle editions. You can also see my Amazon author page. If you prefer audiobooks, you can find my titles on audible.com or the Audible app by typing in Brandon Ford. If you don't already, please follow me on Instagram at writer Brandon Ford. You can also follow me on Twitter at Brandon Ford. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, critiques, suggestions, critiques, criticisms recommendations um you can email me directly at blindragepod81 at gmail.com last and most importantly if you don't already please subscribe to the podcast and please for the love of christ give me a star rating i posted about this on facebook earlier today because I'm so fucking pathetic begging people to give me star ratings on even if you don't have an iPhone and you don't listen on Apple Podcasts just give me a star rating anywhere but I have an iPhone and I listen to podcasts on Apple and that's where I I generally look for new ratings and there are people as I said on Facebook earlier who have had podcasts for a fraction of the time that the Blind Rage podcast has been up, and they have a considerable 
number of ratings a considerable amount more than I do. So please hit the drop down, select a star rating, or if you're feeling mighty, mighty generous, a little review uh, would be nice. A little something so that I can feel a little less shitty and insecure about myself, at least in one facet of my life. Um, yeah, and that I gotta stop because I was listening to a recent commentary and I do, I um, way too much, more than I thought that I did, but old habits are hard to break. All right, so I'm watching the movie on the on blu-ray you can find it wherever and as long as you're not watching the unrated version which why was the unrated version not released on the fucking blu-ray it's so stupid so all right we're going to get started with a three count as per usual here we go three two one play so yeah this is a nightmare on Elm street five directed by stephen hopkins who directed an episode of tales from the crypt i did a commentary for not too long ago but this is not a favorite among the fans I've always loved this one. I grew up on it. <laughs> Again, shows you how old I am. I saw it when it first came out on video. One of my biggest issues with this movie is right here. There is something that is noticeably absent from the opening titles, and that is the number five. I never, I never understood. I was, I, uh, I believe I tried seeking out answers as far as why there wasn't a five in, in the opening titles. I don't know, but it's called A Nightmare on Elm Street 5 everywhere else. On VHS, on Blu-ray, on Laserdisc, on the poster, on DVD. Fucking everywhere except the opening titles. I don't know how I feel about it. I was listening to the a little bit of the this opening title theme. And while it's very well, this is Jay Ferguson who did, I don't know if the episode has been, has been posted yet, but he did the score for an episode of Tales from the Crypt that I did called Only Sin Deep with Leah Thompson. And I kept noticing little bits and pieces of what sounded like a very familiar arrangement because he used a lot of the same instruments and some of the same cues and such. And I kept thinking to myself, this, or I kept saying, actually, I, it's bothering me. I have to know, is this Jay Ferguson? And I can't, 
I can't, you know, just go to onto my laptop and search for stuff while I'm in the middle of recording a podcast or even my phone because it might fuck something up and I don't want to take a chance. So I just had to wait until I was finished recording that particular episode and then I checked IMDb and I was able to confirm that yes, it was indeed Jay Ferguson who did the did the score for that episode, but the score that he does for the the opening titles of this, while it's a very, I don't know if I would say beautiful, but it's it's a it's an very it's a very elaborate and effective composition but at the same time it kind of has a bit of a phantom of the opera feel at least to me i'm not saying i don't like it it's just i don't know if if it goes with an elm street film but this one is the gothic elm street installment this one is very different than all of the other entries and that has a lot to do with Stephen Hopkins' direction. But when you compare this one to part four, it's apples and oranges. Part four is very much a popcorn movie. And this one, I think, tries to have some depth. I don't know if I would say it succeeds or fails. But uh, this stand-up shower, um, fuck, I was I was doing so well, and there it goes. This stand-up shower, I was just thinking about this because there is speaking of tales from the crypt. There's this other fucking podcast that I mention. I listen to a lot of podcasts, obviously, but there is an episode. Of or there's a podcast for Tales from the Crypt that I'll listen to every now and again just to hear what these two guys have to say about a particular episode because they tend to hate fucking every single one of them. They have something negative to say about everything, and I don't know why I can think I know this. I've heard enough episodes to hear that the ratio from episodes that they like to those they don't is pretty staggering. It's probably a one out of a five that they like to the ones that they don't. And there was one episode that I I was listening to when they were talking about uh, an episode of the show that I wanted to do a commentary for, and it's an episode from season six, which I don't really know that well. And generally, what they do, which is one thing that I like, is and well, you'll find out why I'm talking about this in a second because it does come back to the stand-up shower. But it, what they do, I, like I said, like that I like about with this show is. They talk about the 
story in the comic book that the episode is adapted from and the differences between and there's one episode or yeah there's one episode that's very very different and in the comic book the antagonist decides to take a shower toward the end of the of the story and he's in one of the one of those stand-ups and he slips on a on a bar of soap that gets lodged in the drain and breaks his leg and the shower slowly fills and he drowns which I call shenanigans on because those doors there it's it's a magnet you just gotta push it's not that it's not that hard and I this I can understand why she couldn't Alice couldn't get out because this is a dream so I'm not I'm not you know I I've been using the word admonish way too much but I'm not not deriding the writing or the production of this episode because Alice gets locked in a stand-up shower and it's kind of hard to do that when the door just locks by a magnet and all you gotta do is push but yeah I just found it dumb that that this guy drowned in the fucking shower when all he had to do was either kick his other leg and push open the door or reach up and turn off the shower because just because your leg is broken doesn't mean you can't move anything else. Or why he didn't get the soap out of the... I don't know. Plus that soap probably would have melted by the time the shower filled up, I would think. This has nothing really to do with anything, but I just had to... So we have Lisa Wilcox back. Yay. I really like her as Alice. I wanted to, because I was talking nonsense at the beginning of this episode, so I didn't really get to say it, but one thing that I always, always, always notice, and I was talking about in part four, how I generally don't notice goofs uh, or errors in movies because I'm so invested in them that it's not something that I'm, I'm focused on and if you are if you do notice them you're generally not invested in the film but the VHS version of this movie you know of course was full frame and it was probably the way it was shot so that the top and bottom could be cropped for a widescreen version but I always noticed that during the scene when Alice breaks through the shower and she's in the hall and she's supposed to be naked and she lifts up to look behind her, you can see the towel or whatever it is that she's, that she's wrapped in right under her arm. But you can't see it in the widescreen version. There's Danny Hassel coming back looking pretty good I must say and here this is but this is a big error that I I have noticed too uh, she has the he's giving her the tickets now and 
I think I might have missed it. But he gave her the plane tickets because they're going to Paris. And I think there's a shot of her before this scene. And she's she has the tickets. And then it cuts to her about to meet Dan and she doesn't have them. So there was there was some continuity with that. I guess they tried I guess they switched the the scenes around or the shots around and they neglected to um It's so sad that Alice is there. Well, as she feels by herself, she doesn't know their father's there. Oh, I think this is it right. Wait, was it here or no? I remember I fucking hated high school so much. And I could not wait until graduation. And I kept thinking to myself, I am not going to feel at all melancholic about leaving this part of my life behind. And then, right at the during the ceremony, when we were all on stage, right when they announced, you know, you were graduated or whatever the fuck they say. It was right at that moment where I was like, ah, it's over. Oh my God. I think I remember this, this was really poorly cropped with uh, the picture on the, on the VHS. But I always thought that this was kind of tacky that she and Dan were full on tonguing by the car and her father was right there and why the hell is she going to work oops I don't know I don't know why the fuck. I mean, one would think that her father would take her out to a dinner or something for graduation, but instead she's going to work at her dead end job at the fucking diner. See, now that I'm trying not to say, um, I'm going to start saying fucking and you know, every other word. See, you gotta trade habits. That's what that's what happens. But I'm trying to be professional, <laughs> which is funny since I've said so many times before that this is not a professional endeavor. I'm just doing this for fun. If I want to, I want to jump ahead, and I I don't know why, but I'm always talking about things that I hear on other podcasts when I do. This girl 
the, that girl, that who, that little girl, I can't remember her name, but she w- grew up to do some other stuff, and she was on a sitcom that lasted about a minute and a half that I used to like, called Something So Right. She had a daughter in it, and Maria Ford was on one of the episodes, and she was also in a TV movie that was made for the USA Network called The Stalking of Lori Show. It was based on a true story about a about a teenage girl in, I think, Reading, Pennsylvania, or Quakertown. Might have been Quakertown, who was bullied and stalked relentlessly by this girl who ended up killing her. It was it was a horrible, horrible story, but that, that little girl was the bully. She was the bad one. But yeah, I generally tend to mention things that I hear in other podcasts as though I'm going to as though I expect those who orchestrate those podcasts to actually listen to mine and hear what I'm going to say. And even if they do, what the fuck does it matter? But I was listening to... Oh, this was a while ago, actually. It wasn't even recently. But there was a podcast, and they were talking about this movie. And they were doing all of the... Elm Street movies in sequence however there was a considerable gap in between them they didn't do them one after another and there's a well spoiler and I'm hoping that you've seen this uh fuck there spoiler yeah so I'm if I'm hoping that you've seen this I would assume that you have because it's fucking a nightmare on Elm Street so Alice is pregnant and there's a scene Dan Dan is the father and spoiler again he dies and there's a scene later where she's crying in the kitchen because you know she misses Dan and she's not very happy about having to do this alone understandably and then her father comes in and he says I sort of hope it's a boy. It'll be nice to have a little boy running around in the house again. And the hosts of this podcast were completely flummoxed. They did not understand. They were like, what in the hell is is he talking about? What little boy? When was there a little boy in the house? That was a major plot hole. They completely forgot that Alice had a brother, Rick, from part four. Jesus Christ, that's so stupid. This little baby, I don't know. I I don't really understand. I guess this whole this whole dream sequence with the rebirth of Freddy it's almost like because that was Amanda who gave birth to that 
creature, the creature that ends up being Freddy. And it's almost like it suggests that that's the way Freddy... Well, no, because she's saying, please don't let this happen again. So, I think it is her giving birth to him a second time. Only instead of giving birth to a baby, she's giving birth to evil incarnate. Or maybe, or is that him? No, I don't think that's him. I think that thing is calling him. I'm so fucking confused. And one would think that I hadn't seen this movie 10,000 times. But... I guess Amanda gave birth to whatever power is strong enough to bring Freddy back. And I think it's interesting too that when he comes back, he's in the church again. And that's where, because that's where he died in the, in part four. And he's standing in front of, it's not the same church clearly, but he's standing in front of that front in front of a stained glass around. I think it's a rounded stained glass. There it is, where he where he flies, and you see his big crazy feet. Um, but yeah, in he's standing in front of that stained glass window that's uh, circular shaped, and they have that scene toward the end of part four when uh, Alice shows him his re his reflection and you know the 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 souls of the children come out of him and they break through that 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 stained glass window which was also rounded and that's that's how they they go up to I guess heaven. I don't know if there's supposed to be heaven or hell. I almost talked over that line. But I found the key. For years, I had, I don't know exactly what they're called, but it was a poster, it was a promotional poster, I, I guess they were, because I got it from my mom and pop video store, they gave it to me, but I don't know what they're called, but the, it's, it's not your standard movie poster that's like what is it 47 by 36 or something whatever that measurement is it was a, a long not it was rectangular but it was thinner than a rectangle and yeah it uh 
it hung on my on my bedroom wall for years and it had the title again which had a big five on it it was black and it had a trail of flames going to the other side of the poster which had the evil baby carriage on it and it said it's a it's a boy on it I don't have it anymore because I'm a dumbass. And I'm, you know what I think is fucking bullshit? Which is bull, bull, bullshit about this fucking scene here. It's bullshit. Is you, Dan is lying on his back, all sexy, with his arms behind his head. But you don't get a clear shot of him bare-chested in his blue jeans standing up. You get to see his back, which looks really nice, but that's about it, and I think it's bullshit. Here's Kelly Jo Minter. She was on her way to being a scream queen. Uh, she could have, if she kept it up, been the first black scream queen. I don't know what the fuck happened, but she had this, she had popcorn. Which I love her and she's so funny in popcorn. And she had people under the stairs. I think she had something else, but I don't remember. But I really like her in this movie and I'm glad. I like her in general. And I liked her in everything that I've seen her in. And I'm glad that she survived this one. Although I like I like everybody in this movie, especially Dan, if you know what I'm saying. No, I'm kidding. But no, I'm not. I like everybody, and I always thought it was interesting, though, that I think this one has the lowest death count of all of the movies. There's only three. Greta... Dan and whatever the fuck his name is the comic book uh, kid I can't remember his name Think he get another decent shot of his back right here. Why didn't he turn around? Not that it would have made much of a difference now, anyway. I have to say, this... I love this whole sequence, and I think... It might have something to do with the fact that it being a little on the long side and that's probably why there's only three death sequences because the death sequences are semi long they're not quick but I think this is the longest one which makes sense because Dan survived part four and of course they wanted to give him a good death Unfortunately, they cut it to shit to get an R rating. It's... I... 
there's some some parts of it that are so weird though like when freddy uses the champagne to melt his arm off and then he jams it into the car uses it as a seat belt here's doing it now he, no, he's spitting it. Using he, he uses it as a seatbelt, and the and the and his glove is like the the um fuck the 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 you know the clip. What is that? That is so weird. Better buckle up. That sounded like a gunshot. I don't know what the hell that was. Or no, I guess a tire blew. As soon as he gets back on the road on this, I guess it's a motorcycle, motorbike, Wait. Those, that that music right there, you can kind of hear bits of it in the only Sindeep episode. Which is I think was I don't like it's how it's got this beat. It's fun. This is nasty though. So he becomes basically uh, one, he becomes one with the motorbike. He becomes... That was cut right there. Gotcha. What, my, one of my, fa my favorite part is when he goes, Power drive. Fast lane. Fuel injection. And that long laugh, that ha 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 So he becomes... He becomes... I, I guess part of the bike? I don't know. It's a weird kill, but I think that's why I like it so much. So much because it's so off the wall, but it's also cut to shit. And that I don't like. And this was another part right here. Wait. That trucker or whatever that or whoever he was. The the idiots on that podcast that I was talking about that said they that they couldn't remember that Alice had a brother they thought that guy was Freddy which is what you're supposed to think initially because he climbs out of the truck with the hat on and he's wearing a red I think he's wearing a red sweatshirt and his face is all bloody because he was just in an accident 
and they were like what was that guy like why was why why was he looking why was he dressed like freddy like what was that they're so fucking stupid. I really think certain people shouldn't be allowed to watch horror films because they just are too dumb to understand certain things. Okay, one thing that I will say about this that makes no fucking sense is Yvonne... I guess is supposed to be a nurse, which makes even. But if she is, that makes no sense. A because she didn't have time to go to nursing school. She literally just graduated from high school like yesterday, and she's wearing a candy striper uniform. And I don't think they have candy stripers anymore. But for those of you who are not in the know and, you know, not those of you who are the age of the people who do the other podcasts that I listen to, if you're in your 20s, if you're in your 20s, you probably don't know what a candy striper is. But candy stripers were volunteers. In hospitals, usually they were women. Well, they were they were women. They were women who were given the those the uniform that Yvonne is wearing. It's got the red and white candy stripes on it. And what they would do is they would go to different rooms to read to patients to bring them magazines to fluff their pillows to make them more comfortable to do things that nurses who were otherwise engaged couldn't do at that moment or didn't have the time to do because they had so many patients to look after so that's what Yvonne is supposed to be because that's only that's only what she could be because again she didn't have time to go to nursing school and she's wearing a candy striper uniform however she is at alice's bedside at the time of the accident when or when alice is brought to the hospital and she is sort of caring for her as though she is a nurse and this is the biggest part that makes no sense whatsoever. She, again, Candy Striper, volunteer, has pull to bring an OBGYN in to see Alice on a Sunday morning. How? And plus, when... The, the, during the scene when she's getting the Alice is getting the fucking whatever it's called ultrasound he's treating her like she's the nurse he's get her file and and when 
And plus, she's putting the lubricant on Alice's stomach, um, to, the gel to help the wand move more swiftly. And she whispers to Alice, don't say a word, you'll get me fired. Again, she's a volunteer. Nineteen eighty nine though, candy stripers were a thing. I love that scene in nine to five. <laughs> totally unrelated. When Lil Lily Tomlin is stealing the body of who she thinks is Mr. Hart and she runs into the into the candy striper and uh, candy striper says oh you're a doctor I'm I'm sorry I didn't see your badge she stole the she stole the the jacket <laughs> and Lily Tomlin says I'm a doctor why the hell am I talking to you piss off it's a funny movie Oh, you know, it's funny to, this is one of many horror films that I studied the French dub of, and I, there, the scene where, we're already miles ahead of, but the scene in the nightmare when Amanda is giving birth to to the demon entity, organism, whatever the fuck that thing was. The doctor is between her legs and he's telling her to push. In French, push is pousse. So he's between her legs going... Pousse, pousse. Yeah, that was funny. Uh, here's the scene where she's crying and her father comes home. So he's in AA, getting his drinking problem under control which is something that they barely touch on in this one too i talked about how they barely touched on it in part four it's it's mentioned a few times but it's not really it's not it's not really examined and it's the same with this one. Ah, uh, wait a minute. Uh, 
yeah um it's true it's the same with this one where he says in the beginning that he didn't want to be seen while she was accepting her diploma because he said you know i watch from the stands I didn't want anybody to see me, you know, drunk, drunk showed up, that kind of thing. And Alice said, that's in the past, um, unless you stop going to your meetings. And he said, no, a deal's a deal. What that deal was, I have no idea, because we didn't see any deal. But, and then when he just came back, he just came home when she was crying, she asked, how the meeting was so we're led to believe that he was in AA I wonder if the death of Alice and Rick's mother is what led to his alcoholism in the in part four I don't know what that doll was that fell. I never knew what the hell he said there. It sounded like filet dead body. And then he's got the little, the, 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 the other doll that he cuts open, the doll with the weird pointy little boobs. And he starts feeding he goes from feeding her that doll to feeding her herself with the spoon on the knife. This is weird. See, this one, this one definitely has some weird kills. Except for uh, this one and Dan's death are are for sure on the odd side. I think Mark's death—that's his name. I forgot. Mark's death is more on the fun side because you got the whole comic book thing and then you got Super Freddy and you have Mark turning into the Phantom Prowler the uh, comic book hero that he made up and this with her coming out of the refrigerator this is weird what the fuck is that I'm almost positive too that in that same podcast the one where the two people who were reviewing the movie didn't understand it at all didn't couldn't see what that note on the refrigerator door said when it slams when freddie pulls her back inside and the door slams there's a note uh that says die bitch because freddie's awful He's very fond of calling the female characters bitches. I think my neighbors are fighting. I'm not exactly 100% sure what the fuck this is supposed to be. Where Mark lives, because that's not explained. It looks like his father owns some kind of a factory and Mark has a room in it. It looks like a storage area. 
It's like a U-Haul center or something. I don't know what this is. Ooh. Fucking pothead neighbors are coughing. Should do something constructive. Like sit in a room and talk to yourself. Like me. Need a little drinky. She has a shift tonight. I'm pretty sure that volunteers, or at least candy stripers, didn't get, you know, assigned shifts. You were volunteering your time. You weren't getting paid. But they have her like she's a nurse. This is really what irks me. I think that coffee is, this is one of the first times that coffee comes back. I don't, I don't really remember people drinking coffee, the characters drinking coffee that much to stay awake in the, in the other movies. In part one, you know, you have Nancy with the coffee maker, the Mr. Coffee Maker in her in her bedroom with the extension cord. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't remember Jesse in part two chugging coffee. The kids in the hospital couldn't drink coffee. They uh, there's soda in parts three and four. I know that's what Kristen was. Kristen would drink soda to to stay awake in part four. Another thing about that stupid commentary. I'm gonna keep bringing it up the more I remember shit. They had this huge fucking problem with this right here when Alice draws a stick figure of herself and writes Alice above it 
Um, well, I, pa I passed it. But they were like, what the hell was that? She just drew a stick figure and wrote Alice above it. And that was supposed to be her. <laughs> that made no sense. Okay, well, Mark was the comic book artist. So a stick figure was really the best that Alice could do. And plus, she wasn't... Even if she could do a self-portrait, she didn't have fucking time. It was just supposed to be a symbol. That's all it was. It was supposed to it was supposed to be a figure that was meant to represent her to put her in the dream with Mark. That's all. It's not that complicated. This is kid. He's from Mikey, the movie Mikey. One of my favorite killer kid movies. And then he had a role on the show Raising Hope, playing a cop. I don't I don't know if he did any well, I'm sure he did. I just don't remember him being in anything else other than this and Mikey. And in I used to have some of the innovative uh, comic books. They were called, you know, Nightmares on Elm Street. And some of them followed Alice and Jacob. And I remember, I don't remember the stories, but I distinctly remember one that I used to have and I actually saw it on Amazon not that long ago but it the cover was in a graveyard and it was Alice crouching behind a tombstone with Jacob hiding from Freddy who was looking for them in the in in the graveyard and the 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 drawing looked very much like this kid This kid in the movie, um, I remember it looked disturbingly like him, actually. So, his name's Jacob, his name's Jacob, middle name's Daniel, so like, usually... What they would do, what girls do if they have a baby with someone and like the guy dies or whatever. It, I don't know if it's like a real thing in real life, but in movies it tends to be. But they they take, you know, both names and hyphenate them. So that means Jacob would be Jacob Johnson Jordan. That's a lot of J's. Now, why is she speaking like an expert? What she should be doing is pushing around one of those book carts that you see in a library 
when they put the books back on the shelves. That's what they. That's what candy stripers used to do. They used to, used to go down the halls with those carts. They would have books on them and magazines and flowers, potted plants. And they used to bring them to people. That's that's what the candy stripers used to do. They did not behave as nurses. And she knows how to work the ultrasound machine. And she has, I remember, she has this kind of nervous look on her face whenever Dr. Moore asks her to do something. She's like petrified that she's going to, she's going to get fired. And this, this image of the baby in, inside her that they're about to show, I think that's the norm now for ultrasounds with, baby, for, with babies. I don't think they have that grainy black and white orb nonsense anymore that you couldn't really even make sense of. I think you could actually see a crystal clear image of the baby like this. I could be wrong. I don't have any kids. I've never given birth. I don't understand what that line was supposed to mean when he said, see any family resemblance. Does that, that sounded like Freddy was, was claiming to be the father. Oh my God. I know that Lisa Wilcox continues to act, but I'm sort of... Wait a minute. I know that she's continued to act, but I'm 
I, I don't know why that I, I really haven't seen her in anything else. I think it's ironic that she says, why don't you leave Springwood and, you know, find a place to cool out for a while. And Alice says, you can't run away from this guy who finds you in your dreams. However, nobody but the inhabitants of Springwood have encounters with Freddy. I have to say that although I do enjoy this one, it's really not as anywhere near as as fun as part four is. Because when I was doing the commentary for part four, I was so into it from front to back. And I was having so much fun revisiting it and talking about it. And not that I'm not having fun doing this commentary, but it's just that they really don't give you a whole lot to work with because, as I said during part four, there really weren't any lulls. In this one, there's a few. There's some moments where the pacing could have been a little sped up. Although I get why they have some of these scenes in which they delve deeper into the backstory of Amanda and what happened to her. And um, that sh they didn't, they, they buried she wasn't in the plot the plot was empty and they put her her body someplace else Oh God! Speaking of lulls, I already—I uh, don't really want to say. Well, yeah, I guess I could because I probably will. But speaking of lulls, I'm really not looking forward to doing New Nightmare because I said that I wasn't going to, and now I have something planned, and so I kind of need to. And yeah. Not only are there lulls in New Nightmare, but it's over long. And that movie kind of takes itself too seriously, I think. 
I think that's one of my biggest issues with it. And here we have Mark and Alice again talking about this stuff. I think it's interesting that he just so happens to have all of this material on hand. He has this extensive library about... I always thought that was such a stupid line when, because during that scene, you know, during the beginning when Freddy first comes back and they have that kind of a confrontation between Amanda and Freddy and she is trying to tell Alice what to do. And the door slams. Clearly, he did it. And then it was like, it, right here, Alice had like this realization. It's like, he must have done it. Oh, you think? I think, I think Kelly messed up the line here when her friend asks her what's going on kelly says you don't want to ask you don't even want to know i think the line if what if it wasn't already it should have been you don't want to know you don't even want to, you don't want to know you don't even want to ask cuz that makes more sense Speaking of Kelly, there, I, I heard Robert be interviewed on Loveline. I think this was when Freddy vs. Jason first came out. And he was on there to promote it. And for those of you who don't know, uh, who are in different regions... Loveline was not just a show on MTV, it was a radio show that started before and after the TV show. But uh, yeah, and it, it carried on long after the the MTV show, I think. I think it only just stopped within the past 5 years or so. But yeah, they used to have celebrity guests on and such. 
and for, uh, Robert had fans calling in, of course, asking him questions about the movies and such. And this one fan called wanting to talk about Sheila's death in part four. Uh, Toy Newkirk's character, the one a suck face. And he brings he brings it up and Robert I swear to god I remember this so clearly. Robert when the when the guy mentions the Sheila character, Robert says, Yes, played by the lovely Kelly Mintner. Not Kelly Joe Minter, who didn't even play Sheila, but Kelly Mintner. M-I-N-T-N-E-R. I wish I still had that file somewhere. Kelly Mintner. Such a bonehead. Also in that podcast, the one where they didn't know anything about anything about anything, they say that he is wearing, in this scene, like a like a, a rubber suit that has the, the red and green pattern. And so, like, basically he's wearing his usual costume, only it's basically a, a wetsuit. But I never, if that's true, I don't, I don't remember that. I just always, I always assumed and thought and saw, at least what my eyes, my eyes saw, was that he was just wearing his usual sweater and pants. He was just wet. And poor Yvonne. <laughs> When he picks her up by her hair, all she could do is just slap him around in the chest, causing no damage whatsoever. I I don't know if this is true, but I remember hearing that she and... No, no, no. She designs, or she did at one point, design purses. And Lisa Wilcox and Tuesday Night had a, like a, um, I don't, I'm, uh, I'm reluctant to say jewelry line, because when you say jewelry line, you think of like high-end stuff. But it's like, you know, costume jewelry. And I think it started out with toe rings, but I don't think anybody wears toe rings anymore. I don't think anybody's worn toe rings since like 1997, if that. But I remember their company was called Toe Lights. I don't know why, but yeah, Toe Lights. This, this music here, there is a segment 
in Only Sin Deep, the Tales from the Crypt episode that Jay Ferguson also did the score for. That's very, very, very similar. That's a piece of music that's very similar. So yeah, I still don't know what the hell this place is, if it's a storage unit or what the fuck. And I didn't know until Never Sleep Again that everything really was devoid of color. I thought it was done in post. But yeah, he was the only thing that had any color he was and that's why they like they they put some some like uh, color in his cheeks to bring out his his uh make him appear more colorful than the than everything else and his clothes were colorful so yeah, this is an interesting sequence too, but I think that I think it's cool, but I think that they could have gone a little further with it. I like Super Freddy, and I can't believe that's not him. I always thought that was him just, you know, all padded up. But that's, no, that's not him. That's, um, a stunt guy. It's cool the way the, the paper mark is, is kind of like standing there and kind of wobbly and then the color drains out of them, but... He's having way too much fun cutting up the paper because he, he, yeah, he turned into a paper doll. And whatever it was that he lived in collapsed on him. So Yvonne fell asleep in the jacuzzi. Now how did she know to go there? Or how did she know Alice was there? Mark, 
I like that line. Don't ask me to take a jacuzzi with that guy again. So, uh, so, uh, Amanda, I, I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on the Amanda thing. Either she killed herself or she didn't kill herself because Mark said the papers thought that she did, but she didn't. Apparently, she, she, she hung herself, but she didn't hang herself. I think she was just institutionalized. And I think she died in that asylum. And her, because they, I don't know, the church wanted the, wanted the public to think that she committed suicide. They staged a funeral with an empty plot, but she was really in an asylum the whole time. And then she, when she did die, they hid her body somewhere. I, I don't know. Is she in a dream right now? I would assume. I'm talking. I'm aiming Alice. Why didn't she just say? I think it would have been funny if she said, "If you don't." It would have been funny if she said, "If you want to talk to me, maybe you'd like to talk to your mother." Yeah, so Yvonne goes in this thing and she starts chipping away at the walls and I think there's some doves or something and then or pigeons and that was pretty easy because she she freed her just by that. 
know what the hell is with these spiders. Why is he talking to him like a baby? He's, he's not a baby. He's a little boy. There's this weird shot of her waving her hand, kind of weird. It's, I don't know, it just looks odd when she, when she says, come on Jacob, it's time to go home. Her arm is extended and she's waving her hand like strangely. How would Jacob know what the hell Dan looks like anyway? discombobulated Alright, that made no sense care for the scene and I especially don't care for the weird legs hanging it's just it's just odd
I got so fucking discombobulated. Yes. Uh, all right. So Amanda's free now. And that that happened a little too quickly, I think. Jacob get his face all jacked up like that and plus I think that they should have manipulated Jacob's voice to sound more Freddy like the way they do with Roberts because that was just the kid trying to do a Freddy voice and he didn't really succeed I just love it how he says, teach me, whatever, and he taught, he didn't teach him anything, the whole, you know, shut up, I have my fucking, shut up, shut up, my screenwriter was in my ear because I have an email. Uh, yeah, he says, teach me, and Freddie mulls it over for about a minute, a second and a half, and then he turns to Jacob, and I guess he gave him some sort of power by osmosis, and Amanda knew how she knew, I don't know, and then she told Jacob to use the power that Freddie had given him against Freddy and so he shot some kind of weird worm out of his mouth or some something I don't know I think I like this movie less I always said how much I love this one and now that I'm really analyzing it I think I like it a, a little bit less Now, Amanda gets a little sassy. Watch. Why is she mad at Alice? And why did she pick that thing up? So that thing is Baby Freddy because he... He went inside of her, and now he's saying, "Let me out! Let me out! Let me out!" I don't know. I, I'm. Uh, I feel like I'm fucking watching a David Lynch movie.
It's interesting. I never thought, I never realized, but at the end of part four, she also has a line about how she's not sleeping much. Um, bef in part four, it was because of the, you know, the trauma of having to deal with Freddy. But in this one, it's because the baby. See, now there's the little girls jumping rope. As I said in, I think, my part, commentary for part three, I always assumed that those were the ghosts of the children he had killed. And that, that vision of those little girls jumping rope meant that he was there watching, about to come back again. So that was A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. And I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know. I think I kind of ruined it for myself because I was I was trying too hard to make sense of it instead of just going along for the ride like I always did when I watched it. Well, I don't know. If you stay to the bitter, bitter end, thanks very much for listening. And I hope you'll come back for more commentaries real soon. So until next time, this is Brandon Ford wishing you all unpleasant dreams.
Flex 